Yes, folks, I'm Fred McMurray. It's Thursday. It's 2 p.m. Pacific, or if you prefer, 4 p.m. Central, which means this must be... God, I love that music. It just it just really makes me happy. How are we doing, Elizabeth? How are we doing, Ray? I'm doing well. Sitting here in Alabama, of all places. How are you, Ray? Ray? What's that? I'm doing well. Sitting here. Okay, so I'm getting an echo. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it looks like we have a three-second reverb. Oh, what, what was I saying about? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely nailed it. <laughs> well, Ray, how was your trip? We'll just talk over it. Well, uh, well, first of all, I'm back from my trip to Sturgis, South Dakota, and the hat, South Dakota. <laughs> It was fantastic, and uh, really enjoyed it. It was hot, and uh, it was great being with friends. And, you know, you take a little bit of a chance there for some people from all over the country. We came in one place, and uh, we enjoyed each other. We enjoyed uh, traveling together, and it was great. That's all I can say right now, but... I think the temperature is in the low 80s and a little cloudy. But uh, Elizabeth, what have you been up to? And well, you know, um, sitting here in Spanish Fort, Alabama, we have 90 degrees today and sunshine for the first time in two weeks. We've had rain every daggone day, which has been fun because my son just realized he has to go to virtual school until this pandemic clears up and he's been not sweet to me and now he can go outside. <laughs> so Elizabeth, why don't you introduce our guest? Absolutely. I would love to. We have Mitchell Levy, a global credibility expert. He's a TEDx speaker, which is one of my goals, by the way, um, internationally uh, best-selling author of over 60 books. Uh, the general theme heard from the clients he's ghostwritten books for and the hundreds of thought leaders he's created cred reels for is that he's unconsciously competent at clarifying your message, which I want to know more about. Uh, he's an accomplished entrepreneur who has created 20 businesses in Silicon Valley, including four publishing companies that have published over 850 books. He's provided strategic consulting to hundreds of companies and has been chairman of the board of a NASDAQ-listed company. He's been happily married 30 years, which is amazing, and prior to corona, Regularly spent four weeks a year in Europe with family and friends. <laughs> so, Mitchell, welcome to the Pillars of Franchising. And before we get started, I'm going to ask you what I always forget to ask the guests. Where are you and what's your weather like? <laughs> uh, I am in, uh, I'm in Silicon Valley, Cupertino, California, Apple country. And uh, we have not seen rain, I mean, six to eight months. So, whereas that's quite beautiful and lovely there's also the downside we have not seen rain in six to eight months so it's, uh, uh, we definitely it's there's no claim of a drought but we're we're definitely in drought time 
not a, not a good place to be in California, right? I don't know. I think it's a great place. I, I, I absolutely love oh, it. I was it's, it's, wildfires. <laughs> it's never fun in California around this time when the wildfires happen. Mm. It is it is beautiful when you can go outside and you know what you get. You know, it's yeah. it's not too hot, not too cold, sunny most of the time. <laughs> so yeah, pretty cool. Not not bad. So tell us, um, for those who don't know, uh, just tell us a little bit about you, um, how you got where you are what you've been up to professionally and how you've been coping through the, the COVID crisis. Let's see. God, that's three beautiful questions. <laughs> so who am I? Testing your memory. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the title I'm wearing at the moment is, is global credibility expert. And as a, I'll, I'll give you a couple things. I'll do a litany of stuff super quick. Um, I have sat on the board of a public company. You read that. I have started 20 companies in Silicon Valley. I've created four executive business programs at Silicon Valley universities, and I ran five different conferences so far in my life, uh, four for the largest conference company, Convex. And all of that stuff is interesting. Oh, and as a book publisher, I've published over 850 books. All uh, what have you done lately? Oh, what have I done lately? <laughs> Yeah, right. Exactly. So, Come on, dude. What have you done lately? The 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 most recent is in uh, 2000. At the end of 2017, I did the TED Talk, and in 2018, I decided that I needed to change my business model on book publishing. I used to publish books for people who would come to us and write their books. And what I realized is I needed to publish books for people who needed the books done but didn't have time. And so that's now when we do the done for you book publishing. And, and what happened, and I'll, I'll drive a little bit into the story and then I'll come back up. So at the end of 2016, I did a, I did a Kickstarter. It hit 250% of goal. I think actually Fred participated. And one of the ways you make a Kickstarter work is that you, you, you have a product or service you offer in your life and you offer it at a discount. So 20 people paid us that when they would write their book, we'd publish it. This was when we're still on the author writes their own book stuff. And I was able to get the book writing process down to eight hours. So let's fast forward a year. At the end of 2017, um, I did the TED Talk. And what, one of the things that TED does is it makes you think about the world in a different way. So I was thinking in a different way. And then I looked at the results from the Kickstarter. Of the 20 people who paid us, to write their book, three of them actually did. Mm -hmm. So what that means is 17 people couldn't find eight hours in a, in a 12 month period to do something they paid for that would be beneficial for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know about your listening audience, but that's not me. <laughs> I am uncomfortable. <laughs> now I'm going to make it worse. I went to my friends in the online learning space and in the internet marketing space, and they both said exactly the same thing. What they said was they realized, Mitchell, do you know that three out of 20 is a 15% utilization rate? That's fantastic. <laughs> and guys, that just, it's kind of like somebody buying your Molly made service, but every time they come to the door, sorry, we don't need you this week. Right? Yeah. Like, like at some point in time, you're going to say, please stop sending the checks. Right? Just <laughs> most people. <laughs> okay. Well, maybe, <laughs> maybe the people who have integrity and credibility. Um, <laughs> Okay, so, so we're not talking about government failure. Oh, Fred, I missed that snarkiness. I so, said, well, you know, you got to be around more. <laughs> exactly. 
So once I got into the we write for other people, it took me about six months before I realized I should change my title. And that's when I started focusing on the title Global Credibility Expert. And then um, about six months after that, I go, let me do something about that. And so that's when I started embarking on a, the path I'm on today, and, and that is to interview 500 thought leaders on credibility. Uh, Fred, thanks again for being one of those 500. Uh, as of yesterday, I have interviewed 488 people. And, and so that's the, so let me finish there and answer your question of how I've been dealing with Corona. Uh, and we, we could talk more about. Uh, how I'm dealing with, with uh, COVID Corona. Uh, for those who, uh, since you're not seeing me, if you, if you see any of my videos, I'm actually in my credibility garage. And I built this or had this updated in the year 2000, and I've been working from my house since 1997. Mm -hmm. So the answer is this is kind of normal for me. Mm -hmm. what, what's abnormal is the number of people I could reach and how many more conversations I have because now people don't have the excuse of traveling to the office and they're making more time. And, and that's both a good and bad thing. So generally speaking, this time frame has been great. In particular, and this is for us because we're doing this show and those in leadership positions, it's also a call upon you and your heart to lead appropriately because the country is clearly uh, not with leadership. Many CEOs and organizations are not leading effectively. And so in whatever part of the world you're in, when you have people who are interacting with you, it is your job to lead in a positive, proper way that they feel, I don't know, like this is a good life worth living. And so I've taken that upon myself and to those people I work with. Nice. Very nice. Yes. That's very interesting. And when I'm with, I find myself when I'm in a group of people, I look for the leader. I think that's natural. If there's no leader, I step to step up to the plate. But yeah, I, like, I, you know, because I don't, you know, I'm not an expert in everything. You know, so if it's a church group, if it's uh, something uh, having to do with the franchise, uh, other than my own franchise, I, I wait for the leader to to say something to, you know, get come up to bat, so to speak. And uh, if if that person doesn't do it, then it's a natural for me to, you know, take that position. Hey, Ray, I, I so love that point of view. And Elizabeth, in our green room conversation, we were talking about the educational system not mm -hmm. being uh, set up properly. What Ray just mentioned is what needs to be taught in school, mm -hmm. right? We, we don't need to look at this authoritative figure called a teacher who's going to dictate to us stuff that we can figure out that we carry with us with our computer in our pocket all day long. Right. We need to be taught how to lead. We need to be taught how to learn. We need to, to be taught on how to, to live and grow and enjoy what we do while providing value for others. And uh, so, Ray, that was a beautiful comment. I appreciate that. One of the things I tell my managers is if you have to tell an employee, I am the boss, I am the manager, <laughs> or not. Right. <laughs> That applies to so many things, Ray. <laughs> you have to tell someone how smart you are, how Christian you are, 
how compassionate you are. They can't see it by your actions, you know. That's exactly you right. Need to, you need to go revisit some parts of yourself. <laughs> you, you know, and that's why I've always taken it. Speaks that, to your credibility. Yeah, totally. I've always taken it as I'm an ass and I'll prove it to you. So because you really can't see <laughs> that I'm an ass and so therefore I try for that, you know. Mitchell will tell you. Is yeah. that Fred, is that one of those comments that you're actually uh, really helping and wanting to encourage people to share, like like mm-hmm. pre-corona, are you just so happy when somebody walks up to you and gives you a high five and say you're an ass? I'm fine with that because you know what? At least then we have a common frame to work with. That... <laughs> which which by the way is so not true. You are you are such a genuine human and so powerful of, of who you are. You just hide behind the snarkiness in a way that brings out the best in other people. <laughs> oh, mushy. Red blush. <laughs> oh, this is a mushy show, folks. Run away. Please, wait. No, keep listening. Sorry. Keep watching. Mitchell really is a, a cool guy, so keep watching, even if he's getting mushy. Mushy, please. <laughs> <laughs> That's too funny. Well, from, from the, from the non-pushy, mushy perspective, um, why credibility? Why is that the word you honed in? I mean, you have several words around that. I watched some of your interviews that you're talking about and, and, and read up on you before we started, but why that specific word as the lead? Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, um, can I just say everything in life happens because the universe has conspired to bring you <laughs> to a particular point in time? Mm-hmm. And it, I think I stumbled upon it, and I could tell you where I'm going is leading a movement on credibility. And where uh, October 8th, 9th, 10th is when the, my book comes out and when we're starting the movement component. But, but I'll give you the humble beginnings was I, I went to – this must be about a year and a half ago now. And I, I went to a friend of mine who does a Brandon Two Days uh, session. And, uh, and so he figures out who you are and what the brand should be. And, and, uh, and so he came up with his suggestion. So I'm not going to say his name, but I'll give you the suggestion. And I kind of liked it when he first said it until I called my wife. Are you ready? He said, mm-hmm. hey, Mitchell, are you the global exposure expert? <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, I did not think about it the way you guys immediately <laughs> reacted. <laughs> And, 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 and Fred, when I said that to my wife, her comment was this NFW, but, but yeah, she spelled, she spelled the words out. I go, why? And then she told me why I go, Oh shit. <laughs> but you're in the Bay area. So it wouldn't have been all that weird. <laughs> to whom? <laughs> to people in the Bay area. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. So, so what happened, Elizabeth? Is as I was trying to think about cinnamon, cin- cinnamons, synonyms to that, mm-hmm. and and it turns out that credibility felt like a really comfortable term. Mm-hmm. And and when I first started doing the research, what I was hoping to have happen is I wanted somebody to look at me and go, Mitchell, you are the global credibility expert. 
And what I could say is somewhere around interview 40, I entered flow. Mm-hmm. I entered that space where I don't need anyone to say that. I know who I am. Mm-hmm. And when I, it was somewhere around interview 250 is when I came up with the initial title for the book. And, and I've subsequently changed that. The, the title at the time was For Humans That Want to Be Seen as Credible. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my subtitle. Mm-hmm. And, and what I have to say, and this was beautiful, because we all need people like Fred and others in our life. Somewhere around interview 275, I went to get on, I've been on 180 podcasts in the last 18 months. And I went, went to get on one of my friend's podcasts. And, and I told him what I was doing. He goes, it's not big enough. I'm like, really? Okay, I went away, came back two months later and, and said, okay, how about the 10, the 10 ways people hurt themselves credibility-wise? He goes, not big enough. <laughs> and, and I go, okay, I'll get there. And what I realized, what he was saying, what I realized what I was doing is I was coming up with a way of how do I slightly improve the definition of credibility? Mm-hmm. And what I realized I needed to do is completely redefine the term and come up with what is that big problem we're facing? What is that deficit we have in the world that I can actually put my arms around and, and pull a movement together and help fix? And so that's where, where I am now. The title of the book, the title of my movement um, is called Credibility Nation. And, and what I could say is the number of people who are enrolled in Credibility Nation versus the number of people who are not, that, that it, it just simply, if you just look around those people in your, in your community, in your network, so many people are being taught not to be credible. That's true. And, and so the, what I want to unveil is sort of a definition of framework and approach and some easy to, easy to, to use steps kind of like think about what credibility nation will have a pledge kind of like mm-hmm. the girl scout or boy scout motto right <laughs> and it, one of the things that's in the pledge is hate does not belong right but it's the type of stuff we've been talking about both in the green room and before and now it's it what it comes down to and and this is the world that i want to think about imagine so um i've known fred for a while ray i i know i've known your name but it, this is the first time we're meeting and, and elizabeth the same thing imagine we're and we're for those listening we're actually looking at each other um on zoom which is always cool and imagine if we look at each other and go oh my god i love what you're doing let's do this and we and we strike a deal and we just verbally strike a deal mm-hmm. how many people do you interact with that that deal tomorrow will be different and that mm-hmm. deal tomorrow will be changed if you are a proper citizen in Credibility Nation, you shake hands, you wink your eye, and, and you deliver on exactly what, you know, if I can imagine, Ray, there are households in your service district that if all of a sudden you realize that both, uh, both partners don't have a job and they don't have money to pay you, you go, hey, listen, let me, let me, let me deliver this service for the next couple months. Pay me when you can. Right, because that's the type of human I feel you are from our conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the type of human that lives in credibility nation, mm-hmm. and I just want to see more of that. And so that's that's where anyhow. So what's been fun is is learning that. Can I tell you one of the things that was shocking from the interviews? Would you mind? 
Please do. I love to be shocked. Well, wait, wait, time out. Time out. Stop, wait, wait. stop, stop, stop. Right. stop. Right. Sorry. I yeah, got okay. excited. As long as it has nothing to do with exposure. No, exactly. <laughs> stop, stop. So first, before you go there, we're going to go to a commercial break, okay? And then you can answer the question. You can tell a story. Fair enough. Got to pay the sponsors. That's great. All right. I want to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting us. Remind you that you can call in to 323-580-5755, 323-580-5755. And Heidi, our technical producer, will get your question on the air. Or you can chat live at pillarsoffranchising.com or linklocalnetwork.com. And now a word from the sponsor, assuming I can hit the button. Hey, franchise owners. How is your local marketing do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westbine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, We'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. And a reminder, Tuesdays at 7.30 a.m. is Caffeinated Connections. Go to caffeinatedconnections.com, fill out the form, and join us. Next month's big news is we're going to be adding speed networking via Zoom. Wow. It's actually really kind of interesting, and I've done a whole lot of it lately, so we're going to have some fun. Now, we're back to our friend Mitchell, only man who's ever told me to increase my snark. Ah, you got to have somebody in your life that'll do that. Go ahead, Mitchell. Let her loose with the, your story. Oh, it's good to hear Michelle's voice. Um, so, it's first. Let me let me give you the name of my undergraduate degree because I I love you. It's multisyllabic and it's sort of fun to say. So, so uh, I got a BS from the University of Miami in stochastic and deterministic models of operational research. Isn't that a beautiful? Like, That's a good, yeah. It's a mouthful. And, <laughs> and so I'll tell you what it means. It, it means that I was, I, was, I was shown how to model both systems and people and then improve the systems. And it's one of those things I got, once again, I got stumbled upon. I got lucky. It's one of the things I've been using my entire life. And so when I started the, the 500 interviews, what I didn't realize is I, I just knew to set up the system in the process. In the first two months, we did four interviews each because I wanted to make sure we got it done. I didn't realize what I needed to measure. So here's one of those things I, I just, this is going to shock you, or at least it shocked me. I needed to measure when people came on time or not. Oh. Right. It's and so I came up with with criteria. If you come ten minutes over early or before you're early, because uh, because I'm doing a live show. If you come between nine minutes and four minutes, you're on time. If you come between 
three minutes and zero, you're late. Mm-hmm. And if you come after the half hour, you're super late. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now, here's the shocking part. 4% of 488 people feel that it's credible when having an interview with a global credibility expert about their credibility to come super late. Wow. Like, Ray, that's exactly like, <laughs> like WTF. <laughs> yeah, really. Right? I mean, you're being interviewed on your credibility. You've got a live show and you are coming after the half hour and you think that's okay. And the answer is no. It's not. Right. <laughs> How many came early? It was twenty well, can I say I skewed the I skewed the results. So so this is bad so interview practice. <laughs> so at the beginning it was around eleven percent. And and then what I one of the things that happens when you when you came on my show, I have five I have five questions. And I have a third and it, the interview is six to eight minutes long, and I have a 13-minute video on how to prepare. Because the surprising part is 98% of the people can't answer question one without a little bit of support. That'll get to your question on clarity, uh, Elizabeth. And mm-hmm. so what was interesting is when I created the second version of the prep video, I encouraged people to come 10 minutes or before because most people were not. Mm-hmm. And so now... Fred, it's increased to 21% of people are coming early. And then the really fun part is I've slowed down, slowed, slowed down <laughs> the interviews. Uh, I used to do 10 on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, so 10 each, so 20, 20 on both days. And what would happen would be half-hour calls, you know, and back-to-back. So it's kind of hard to do five hours straight. Oh, yeah. by, by hard, I mean... you. You have to go to the bathroom every now and then. So mm-hmm. what would happen is somebody would come in, and if they came 10 minutes early, they got to sometimes watch the entire interview of the person before them. Mm-hmm. If they came a half hour early, they got to watch the entire um, coaching process. And there's nothing more beautiful than – because what happens when you're, you're on my show – this is Elizabeth, what you asked. You just want to see the person. What happens when in my show, I, I want to be that human, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, faults and all. And so when you could hear somebody who doesn't necessarily answer question one in a good way and are accepting of coaching, it's a really, and it's not you, <laughs> it's, it's a really fun thing to watch. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and what I would do, by the way, is, is um, after the person was done interviewing, if it was, it was bathroom time, I'd say, Hey, my next interviewer is here. Let me bring them on. Why don't you guys say hi for a couple of minutes? And then I I jump out the door while they were. Yeah, and so that was that was what, how I did that. So would my co-host like to figure out what percentage I showed up on when I was there? <laughs> yeah, I, I could actually go and check the results, but probably not relevant. <laughs> so. I got to see the whole show, and I got to see the pre several. I think three of the pre questions session ahead of time. That tells you how early I was. Yeah, I think you did great. I uh, you were definitely on the early side. I'm looking right now. <laughs> I was doing research. Oh, and your and your uh, your CPOP was franchisors and franchisees that are not being seen. So that's the 
what when you talk about clarity, Elizabeth, what happened is, it, and I'll say in life, everything is a stumble. I stumbled upon the right first question. The right first question is, what is your customer point of pain? Because what we often do when we when we meet somebody is they say, what do you do? And we give them our value proposition. Mm-hmm. And what are the first words of the value proposition? I or we? Now, in doing the interviews, what I could tell you is when you start with I or we, there's a percentage of the people who think you're kind of salesy, and they kind of turned off the next 30 seconds. So if a value proposition is 30 seconds long and you start with I, you're guaranteeing that they're not going to hear a word you say. So a CPOP, a customer point of pain, is 10 words or less. It's one to three seconds. And it, what is that pain point that you solve or what is that pain point that you are addressing for those people you're interacting with? And what, what you want to be able to do is say something that is so short, it's memorable. Because if it's memorable, it's shareable. Right? And, if you, and so what oftentimes, and, and so this is one of the shocks to me, 98% of the people come in and they, they need a little bit of coaching on their CPOP. Because what we've been trained classically is to talk about what I do, what we do. And, and so I, and, and my second question is, is tell me more, right? Because if, if you say to me what your CPOP is, mine is uh, humans that want to be seen as credible. My particular CPOP is one of those that are interesting because it's both aspirational and a pain point at the same time. But I've heard, I've heard many, many beautiful uh, CPOPs, and I actually have a bunch of compilation videos now where you could actually listen, and in one minute, you could hear eight to 10 CPOPs. And it's just so powerful to hear people say that. And what happens is, and I'll tell you a little bit of vulnerability, is what I used to say at the beginning that the CPOP is in and the value proposition is out. And, and I, the vulnerability is I could tell you that I was wrong. The value proposition still has its purpose. It's still important. It's just not the first thing you say. It should be the third thing you say, right? So here's, here's the way I would say it. If you could say in one to three seconds your CPOP, all of a sudden you're demonstrating that, oh, wait, this person is an expert in the area that either I or somebody I know has pain. The second thing you should say is what do they want? So if you could have a program and be able to say in another, let's say one to three seconds, like it's five days to franchisor uh, exposure um, or franchisee awareness or um, two hours to a clean house, right? If you can actually give the name of a program and then you give your value proposition, uh, we have reliable, certified, bonded experts who can go into your household and do a phenomenal job of cleaning up and every now and then do special jobs for you, right? And whatever that is, uh, sorry, Ray, since you're here, I'm just picking on you more than anyone else. But, but he knows I'll pick is, back. It, it, if, you, if you start off with the CPOP, then what do they want, and then go to your value proposition, 
all of a sudden people go, you know, if it's not them, I know somebody who I'd like to recommend to you. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal of, to me, that's the goal of any interaction is to either provide value or to give, if you can't provide value directly through a fun story, an anecdotal story, something going on, if, if you could give them something they could remember that they can then provide value to, like, to somebody else by recommending you, that's pretty cool. When I uh, started the business, I, I was doing the estimates myself, in-home estimates. And uh, you ring the doorbell, and you could see the person answering the door. Immediately, there's a shield that goes up. You know, okay, what does this person want? Why are they there? Oh, yeah, it's an estimate for cleaning my home. What I found was that the easiest way to break that shield was to look around the home and find something that they could tell me about themselves. So if I see a piano, oh, do you play the piano? Or if I see maybe uh, a Bible sitting out, you know, we talk about religion or or, you know, awards on the wall for golfing. Oh, do you golf? You start the conversation like that. And people want to talk about themselves. They don't want to hear about this stranger walking into their door. They want to talk about themselves to the stranger. And then once, once they begin to talk about themselves, that barrier comes down. And then now you can tell them about yourself and or your service. Yep, I agree. <laughs> Did I hit it on the head of what you were talking about? Or so it, it, it's, a, it's a slightly different model, but what I could say, you did hit it on the head of door-to-door sales, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the door-to-door sales approach is, or how about, no, I, I take, let me rephrase. I think you hit it on the head. The, 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 the success of what you could do in life is to figure out who the other person is on the other side mm-hmm. and deliver something that they find of value freely and first. That's exactly, and in this case, if you're, if you're going to be barring somebody's time, you're not getting somebody's door, you're barring their time. That's right. Giving them the opportunity to talk about their favorite topic, i.e. themselves. It's <laughs> true. Is a, is a beautiful way to, to give them value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Thank you for that. That closed an interesting loop for me. <laughs> Aha. Wisdom, right? Good job. <laughs> Even our guests learn on the show. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's something that's so true, though, and I think that you, you get people to do things you want them to do with that process because I've, I've done interviews where I didn't know if anyone would want to talk to me um, about this personal topic, and how you gain trust from someone is, is exactly what, what Ray was describing. I, I interviewed, I have a blog about um, LGBTQ people in lower Alabama who struggle for acceptance and it's a, it's, it's a sensitive topic and they don't necessarily want to tell their deepest, darkest things. And strangers out of the blue will tell me every detail of their experience because they want humanity. They want mm. people to see them as humans and I try to communicate to them in a way that makes them feel safe and respectful. And I'm not going to say, you know, I'm not going to put anything you don't want in here, but they feel it's important to have their stories told. 
So what, what you're all talking about is, is that trust factor, I think. And when someone shows that they recognize your pain points um, and they have a way to help you overcome those pain points, then you're, like you said, your whole word credibility starts being zeroed in on and credibility lends trust. And then you've got a relationship started. I was going to say um, what we need to do going forward is exactly what you just said. And that is we, let me give you the updated definition of credibility. So today in the dictionary, the, the credibility is defined as the demonstration of trust. And, and that's a fine definition. And I want to add to it. What I'm mm -hmm. going to say is that's one third accurate. What I want to add to it is credibility is the demonstration of both no, of all three, no, like, and trust. And by no, I'm not just talking about awareness, Fred. It's not just the fact that the franchisor or franchisee is now known. It's the fact that you know their intent, you know their commitment, you know their integrity. So, Ray, it's that person who, honestly, it's that person who, hey, in tough times, I'm not going to collect a bill this month. You're going to pay me when you need to people to go and do that to your business. It's just, <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want that. We all need to show a level of humanity. Um, and we're in the most strangest of times that we have not had in a hundred plus years. And so it's, it's a unique perspective. So what I've done, Elizabeth is uh, I've got a movement coming out. I've got, I do these, I do these done for you book services. I doing the cred reels, the what I did with with Fred, the credibility sizzle reels. I've now turned that into a product. Uh, what I've done is I've kept uh, I, for those people who want cred reels, I now charge a thousand for it, and I've kept uh, five a week um, that I'm doing sort of on a scholarship basis because it it's so much fun to do to get mm -hmm. to learn and know. And as soon as I open up those doors, I'm now booked through, through the end of November. So people are now, as of this morning, they're starting to book December for that. And, and then one of the things that happened is I'm a big LinkedIn fan. So the, uh, it goes back to I was in the offices of two of the founders of LinkedIn before LinkedIn was making money. And so it was Reed Hoffman, Constantine Gerlich. And I was uh, commissioned to write and publish their first book. And, uh, and, and, and Reed turns to me, he goes, Mitchell, what do you think we should write the book on? So they were interested in the concept of the book, but they didn't know what it was. And I said, guys, where do you, where do you think you're going to make money? Because they had a lot of products, a lot of services. And they go, you know, this LinkedIn job posting, we think that one's going to really take off. I go, what are you going to charge for it? And they go, uh, 70 bucks. And I go, perfect. And, and Fred, you may even remember this, that the, my company name at the time was Happy About. And so the book we created was called Happy About LinkedIn for Recruiting. And the price point we had was $69.95. And it came with a free LinkedIn job posting. Mm -hmm. And so since then, I've looked at over 100,000 LinkedIn, uh, LinkedIn profiles. And one of the things that happened is you probably get this when you're interviewing people like they they don't look so good in paper but when you talk to them in a pre-interview they're they're good and in the interview they're great mm -hmm. so there are so many people that their true personality came out in a conversation and their linkedin profile was so two-dimensional mm 
that I, I created a course. And so one hour course whose, whose focus is simply to increase the credibility you show in your LinkedIn profile. And what my guarantee, and I'm so happy with this guarantee is if it doesn't change the way you look at your LinkedIn profile for the rest of your life, you get your money back. <laughs> and it's because what happens is we're, we're often given ways to look at the world. And, and because we've looked at the world through a, res, a physical piece of paper resume format, and we see this thing called LinkedIn and we think, oh, I know what LinkedIn is. Let me make my resume on LinkedIn. And just so you know, that's nowhere close to what you should be doing. Okay. And so, so I would probably argue that 99.5% of LinkedIn profiles need help. And so this course is one of the things. So it's been, it, 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 it's another byproduct of doing the interviews. It's been one of those really fun things. So three weeks ago, we had a, a LinkedIn friend of ours, Ms. Lori Ruff. Lori! <laughs> oh, I was wondering who you were talking about. I yeah, that Lori. was it. I couldn't think of her name. Fred. I, I was telling love Lori. Mitchell about her. So I actually have a couple of books from Mitchell. There's this one. Uh, let's see if we can get it. No, no, no. Hard, to, hard to see. And the radio guys can't see it either. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Yeah. Is that which one is that? Is that it's creating thought leaders? thought leaders? Okay, but to me, the better one was the unofficial Whovian rule book for Doctor Who fans. <laughs> that guy, the one who wrote that, has all the brains of the family. Uh, yeah, that's my my son. Uh, my son, when he was eight wrote his first uh, first book, and it was the unofficial Harry Potter spell book. It subsequently has done really well, and how that came about, and, and once again, I, let's go back to the education system. What should we be teaching our children? We should be teaching them to keep an eye out of serving others. So we were on holiday. Uh, we were in Salem, Massachusetts for a month, and my son and I, I think he was eight at the time, we'd go into the Harry Potter wand shop because they had butterbeer. This was basically, I, I, it was like caramel soda with sugar on top. Not that caramel soda doesn't have enough sugar. So mm. caramel, you could imagine how sugary that was. But we'd go in every day. And uh, we got to know the owner fairly well. And at one point in time, I, I, he knew who I was and what I did. And I go, I go, Tim, what do you think? you guys need that, uh, that, that, that the world is asking you for, but you don't have. And he goes, you know what? We could really use the unofficial Harry Potter spell book. <laughs> I go, Oh, that's kind of cool. And I, and I, and I, and I looked at Tim and, and I said, Tim, if, if Duncan here wrote the book, would you actually buy copies? And he goes, uh-huh. And I go, I go, Duncan, since Tim is interested in this book on this topic, could you spend a little bit of your holiday time writing the book? And uh, he said, yes. And so subsequently we've sold a really large quantity of this book because everyone knows what the word Harry Potter is and, or, mm -hmm. and, and that the world and the framework. And uh, I now have, there must be at least 10 or 15 copycat books with the same name. Um, uh, <laughs> but, but when we were first, it was, it was pretty amazing how many books sold. That's cool. That really is. 
And on that note, we will head to a commercial. (laughs) The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Woman will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Woman. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more. Free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. And we're back. Ray, you had a question there? I did. Um, Mitchell, you've mentioned uh, several times about interviewing 500 people. And um I'm not sure our studio audience may understand why you're doing that. Yeah, it, it, um, the focus at the time and, and actually still is at the moment, it just has expanded is understanding really what the word credibility means and to be able to see how people demonstrate credibility, not just in the business space, but it turns out also in their lives. And, and so what's, what's interesting when you do what, what went through my head, Ray is, is I I just woke up one morning Uh, things happen to me in sort of these visions, sometimes when I'm sleeping, sometimes during the day, but I woke up one morning and I go, Napoleon Hill, 500 millionaires, think and grow rich. Mitchell Levy, 500 thought leaders. And, and obviously at the time I didn't even know the name. Um, and, uh, as I mentioned, I, the original name I thought of was the same as my CPOP. I just added the word for in front of it. So I thought originally the name was for humans that want to be seen as credible. That's now the subtitle. And the name of the book is credibility nation. And it is now, this is the author talking, right? It's not published yet. It is by far such a beautiful treatment of how we can go about getting and avoiding. So getting credibility and avoiding some of the silliness. So let me, let me give you, so I've redefined the word credibility. Let me give you two other words that I created. Because this is what, one of the things that happened, Ray, is I, I was interviewing David Meerman Scott. Uh, David is the guy who invented the word newsjacking. 
And what that is is when there's a piece of news going on and you uh, you actually associate your firm, yourself with it, and you get more news. So I said in the green room, I said, David, man, how do I get known around the globe as, as the credibility stuff I'm doing? He goes, invent a word. <laughs> and I go, okay, cred dust. He goes, no, no, Mitchell. <laughs> you could take a little bit longer to invent it. It took me six months to, to, to really find out. My, I said, no, David, I just don't know if it's 1D or 2. <laughs> so if you want to go to, for those who want to see it, you go to creddust.com, C-R-E-D-U-S-T.com. I picked up the URL, and I created it looks like a dictionary. And it's the definition of the word cred dust. It's got a, it's got the pronunciation of the word. It's got a video on that talking about it. And what cred dust is, as soon as I say it, you're going to go, oh, I do that all the time. Cred dust is that sparkle that happens to you and the other person when you share somebody else's credibility. Boy, adding that to global exposure expert makes real interesting connotations. <laughs> say that one more time. I said adding that to global expo- exposure expert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I don't think I was thinking about cred dust when, uh, but yes, I do. I do see your, I do see your point of view there, my friend. So Elizabeth, well, Elizabeth's got one more question, and then we go down the rabbit hole. And I'm looking forward to going down the rabbit hole today. Oh, perfect. He, he says he's got a good one. So the final question is always, Mitchell, no. if somebody wanted to get in touch with you. Uh, to learn more about what you're doing, what is the best way to contact you? Perfect. It's uh, it's my name. So I've got, like many of us, I have many sites. I've probably got about 200 domains, 50 active. If you go to my name, Mitchell Levy, 360.com, that's M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-L-E-V-Y 360.com. What it'll do is that you have the opportunity to connect me on social. Uh, the first thing that'll pop up at the moment is the LinkedIn course that you can reach out to. And if any of these things got excited about, uh, was exciting to you, or if you wanted us to, let's say, ghostwrite a book for you, you can book time directly on my calendar, and that's at MitchellLevy360.com. Fred, I can't wait to hear this one. (laughs) I'm ready. Ready for the rabbit hole. So everyone else can see much cooler effects than you guys can. But to the rabbit hole, and down we go. So recently, the New York Times, from what I've read, has published an article saying that the Pentagon is about to acknowledge that it has uh, specimens or examples of salvaged technology from craft not of this world. In other words, UFOs, aliens. So the question is, as this happens and we are flooded with extra races, what work will you have to do to convert from being a global credibility expert to an interstellar credibility expert? <laughs> it truly is going down a rabbit hole, my friend. Oh, I like that one. <laughs> oh, I like this one. It's so good. I absolutely love I love the concept and the thought of 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 the consideration given the the vast set of this thing called the universe that there can't possibly be alien races in so many different locations and the thing is my worldview at the moment is simply the world if i 
to, to be credible elsewhere. I don't know. We'd have to see how other alien species live and operate and interact. Some may be friendly and some may not be. So credibility to some may be so much different than to others. Uh, so I, I think I'd have to stick with the word global, but, but at least until I get to learn a whole lot more. But I love that question, and only you could have come up with that. <laughs> so when you go to write the book about being an interstellar credibility expert, you got to um, give me credit. I will dedicate this to the snarky Fred McMurray. Absolutely. Ray, any last words? Do I get more experience? Because it would not be credible, would it? It would not. Ray, any last words? You've been around big, big statues, heads in in, in granite. No comments. Uh, well, I, I, the question that is coming to mind uh, concerning Mitchell and his credibility is. Uh, Mitchell, have you heard of the emotional bank account? No, tell me more. It is uh, from the uh, book, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And it kind of reminds me, you know, of course, this book was written a long, long time ago. And I find it, it, it keeps on cropping up in today's, with things that are happening today. Uh, the emotional bank account is basically what we're talking about is the credibility bank account. And that, uh, in other words, when you speak to someone, you either increase your bank account or decrease it by what you say. So is, do, you, do you see any uh, similarity between the credibility bank account, so to speak, and the emotional bank account? You know, I, I did at some point in time read Covey's book, and it's it's a beautiful. I remember the chart in particular of of what of uh, of of how to be successful. Let me answer that. So the answer is there's no new ideas that that ever come out. It's just sort of recycle of many other thoughts, and it's how it works in today's world. Yeah. And what I want to leave the the audience with is is I gave you one new word, cred dust. Let me give you one more. Cred crud. <laughs> okay. I'm still stuck on exposure expert. Exactly. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't help it, Fred. Cred crud <laughs> is those things that you do in your, in your words or in, in Covey's words that decrease that emotional bank account. It's things that you do that hurt your profile. It's if you're talking about um, uh, if you look at a publisher's website and their copyright is done wrong or the date is a couple years old, it's not necessarily bad. It's just cred cred. So what I'll leave you with is the thought that when you go to the dentist and the dentist says, hey, you have a little plaque, but you don't have any cavities, try to do a better job brushing, brushing and flossing so that you don't have any cavities coming forward. So the more plaque you have, the more inevitability that you're going to have cavities. More cred crud you have in your LinkedIn profile, on your websites, how you interact with other people, the better chance you have that the clients you have today are going to go away. Yeah. And so that's one of those things I, I, I uh, another word I want to add to the Oxford Dictionary. Excellent. Yep. And on that I'm, note, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be thinking all day of uh, coming up with a new word that nobody <laughs> <laughs> Uh, send it to me, Ray. I, I sent you a link to me class. I'll be curious to hear what it is. 
And on that note, folks, from cred crud to flossing to interstellar exposure, this has been <laughs> Pillars of Franchising. We'll be back next week. Next week is another Women in Franchising show, which promises to be a rocking time as it's going to be Ray and I against a group of women. I don't know what phrase to use without kissing somebody Wait to see where you're going with that one. Yeah, I kind of figured that. So we'll just say a group of women may be boring, but at least I won't get staplers thrown at my head. I'm Fred McMurray. Have a great, profitable week and take care of each other. Take care of Thank you.